Good morning. Really glad you're here this morning. I'm Randy Lanthrop. I'm the senior pastor of Church in the Valley, and I'm, I'm usually in Diamond Bar. This is my first time here in 2017, so I, I hope your month, your first month, is off to, <laughs> to a good start. I hope that's been good for you. That's my, my hope uh, for you. Uh, we're, I'm continuing the series that Alex has been doing here called Built the Last. And what we're doing is we're looking at how people, people are made to live forever. We're, we're built to last. And specifically, we're looking at what the Bible says about heaven and what's going to happen next after this life so that we can figure out the difference that it should make in the here and now. It's important to know this. If you're a Christ follower, uh, it, it helps to know, for particularly, it helps to know whether or not you are a Christ follower. We're going to look at that today and what the Bible says is next and what it says some about what is going to happen uh, as we move from this life to the next. But our misconceptions of heaven cause us to put too much pressure on the here and now. This is what happens. If, if you follow Christ, there's, there's no need for you to expect everything here and now. And what happens is we have misconceptions of what it's going to be in the next life, what heaven's going to be, what it's all about. It tends to be very, very cloudy, literally, in our minds, uh, what we can expect. But what God is planning, we've been talking about this, he's planning the best of earth, only better. That's, that's what's coming. Uh, heaven will be full of adventure and purpose. I, I don't know about you, but I, I grew up in church, and my picture of heaven is one long church service. And I, I enjoy a really good church service. But after an hour, maybe an hour and a half, I'm ready to move on to something else. <laughs> but that's our picture of what, what heaven's going to be. Our picture is we're just going to be in these robes. We're going to be singing. And, you know, I'm going to be looking forward to singing on, in tune. You know, that's going to be a good day for me. But it's going to be full of adventure. God's intent is to remake what he intended earth to be and make it better. This, this is what he's doing in history. He, he, we, we chose as people, the first man and woman and everybody since, has, have chosen to reject God as the ruler. He, he gave us this position of authority over the world, people, humankind. And we rejected him as ruler. That has made a mess of things. And so what he's been doing is he's been executing his plan to make it all right again. And we, we can look forward to that. We tend to think that heaven is totally disconnected from this life, but it's not. What we do here and now will echo in eternity. And it's connected because God is remaking what's been messed up by our choice. It's... Heaven is a real, tangible place, just like Miami, London, Tokyo. 
It's a real place we can look forward to. So we're digging in and trying to figure out what it means for our lives today. Because it has tremendous uh, ramifications, implications for us. We, we looked at how last week uh, Alex looked at how an accurate view of heaven and trusting God gives us freedom in the here and now from unrealistic expectations. If we know what to expect in heaven, we don't have to make earth a heaven. We know earth is earth. Life is life. Trouble happens. And so we don't have to place unrealistic expectations on the people around us and the relationships we have, trying to extract from them everything we need, like pulling teeth that's painful. We, we don't have to do that. We, we, can, we can trust that God, we have a very short life here, but God is working to make things right and to give us a place for eternity that we can really enjoy. And so that is like a pressure release valve. I don't have to demand from the people around me that they give me what I need. I can trust God to give me what I need. I can focus on being joyful and doing good. That's what we talked about last week. Today, we're going to look more specifically at what to expect after we die. What we find in Scripture is both a comfort and a warning. And there's opportunity that God has graciously placed in it. If you're a guest with us today, and you haven't, or maybe you haven't yet decided to follow Christ, I would like to invite you to just join us as we look at what the Bible says is coming next. What we do here at Church of the Valley is we, we get into Scripture and we draw, we draw the truth from it. We don't take our preconceptions and read them into the Scripture. But we look at what the Bible says, we draw the truth out of it, and then we try to figure out what the implications are for our lives. This way... We aim to be authentic in our relationship with Jesus Christ and in living out what he said. This, this is how you are authentic. And what we found is Scripture and the truths that are there and building our lives on the truths that are in Scripture, that is the best way to live. This is where the fulfillment comes from. This is where the best life possible shows up. And so we look at what the Bible really says, try to figure out what that means for us, because we don't want to try to live a synthetic version of, of Christianity. We, we want the authentic kind. Synthetic leather, it's like synthetic leather, you know, it cracks and it wears out and it just doesn't, it just doesn't look right very quickly. And so we're, we're digging in. Today we're going to look at what the Bible says about death and judgment. You, you may not be sure the Bible's true yet. Uh, but I encourage you to explore with us and try to understand what it's saying and whether it makes sense. What, what if you could know for sure that you were, you were going to heaven and life would continue on for eternity? How, how great would that be? I mean, that, that would be great, wouldn't it? 
Scripture says you can know. And I know that you can meet Jesus Christ in a real way. It's not academic. It's personal relationship. You can get to know him. You can become convinced that he's real because he will meet you. For now, what I'd like to help you do is grasp what the Bible says about what happens next related to death and judgment. Preparing forever should be our aim in this life. This life is just a small part of a bigger reality of eternity that we have to live. What if we could know what happens after we move on to the next life? What, What difference would that make? Today we're going to look at that. A common picture of what happens next is, I, I don't know if you've heard this, I'm, I'm sure you have, but there's this idea that you line up at the pearly gates of heaven and St. Peter is at the pearly gates. Peter, one of the first apostles, and he's, you know, you have to talk to him before you get in to heaven. That's that's sort of related to, it's a very loose understanding of what the Bible says. Peter's not involved, according to the scripture, in that. But uh, it's, it's, it's a loose interpretation of the reckoning. But what I'd like to do is, just, just for fun, show you a scene from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> okay? And what, what's happened before the scene we're going to watch is, They have defeated the Grim Reaper, okay? They beat the Grim Reaper, death, and they end up on the porch of heaven, and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do because they didn't plan ahead. Imagine that, Bill and Ted not planning ahead. And so they they mug a couple people. They put on their clothes to sort of disguise themselves. The Grim Reaper happens to be with them, he, he also is involved in the mugging, and he's wearing a dress. So this is the picture you see in Bill and Ted of what I'm trying to describe here. <clears throat> How's it going? What is the meaning of life? Every rose has its thorn, just like every night has its dawn, just like every cowboy sings a sad, sad song. Every rose has a thorn. Don't I know you? No. <laughs> well, there, there you go. That's Bill and Ted for you. They're a couple of fools. They, they were making life up as it went along. They show up in heaven. They're scrambling to try to figure out what they're going to do. And when they're asked the question, before they're entering into heaven, a rock song comes to mind. And they just say the words. 
We can be prepared for that moment when we meet God. That's what Scripture says. We, we can know. The Bible shows us what to expect when we die and how to prepare for it. Hebrews 9.27 says, And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. Now, we need to know the question that we're going to be asked and the answer that we should give on that day. The Bible says that the first thing that's going to happen in heaven is a separation. Those who chose to follow Christ in this life and give their life to him, they'll be put in one group. And those who, who haven't yet decided to follow Christ will be put in another. And the scripture says this, this separation will take place not based on your understanding of the meaning of life, but based on what you have done with Jesus Christ, whether or not you've given your life to him whether or not you've accepted him as the payment for your sin and given your life to follow him. If a person rejected God's rule in this life, then God is going to honor that decision. You'll be separated from him forever in a place called hell. If a person accepted Christ and gave themselves to follow him in this life, then you will continue to walk on through eternity with him. This is what the scripture says. Now, what this means is the most important decision you will ever make in this life is whether you believe in Christ and give your life to him. We're talking about decisions today and how eternity and what's going to happen next should impact the choices that we make in this life. And I would be doing you a disservice if I didn't help you understand that this is what Scripture clearly says. After the separation comes judgment. At the judgment, every person on the face of the earth must give an account for the choices they made while they lived in this life. Romans 14.12 says, So then... Each of us will give an account of himself to God. So the coming judgment then is both a source of comfort and a warning. We get the warning part, but what's the comfort (laughs) in the coming judgment? I I don't know about you, but I immediately understand the warning. (laughs) It's a comfort because the Bible tells us on that day, complete justice will be done. And the way we are as human beings, what God has done when he made us is he put justice as a core value of who we are. We, we scream for justice. Just go on the internet, watch the news, check out the protesters. They are screaming for things that are going on that they feel are unjust. There is something in us that screams for it. We long for justice. Strikes a deep chord in us. Justice is a core concern that God has built in us. Like you see in many movies, 
Many movies have the theme of justice. I'd like to show you another clip from the very beginning of True Grit, the remake, um, that, that shows the theme that we gather in many of the movies that the best movies strike a chord in us, don't they? And they pull you in and they get you involved in the story. And justice is a theme that pulls us in. Let's watch this clip. give it credence that a young girl could leave home and go off in the wintertime to avenge her father's blood, but it did happen. I was just 14 years of age when a coward by the name of Tom Chaney shot my father down and robbed him of his life and his horse and two California gold pieces that he carried in his trouser band. Chaney was a hired man, and Papa had taken him up to Fort Smith to help lead back a string of Mustang ponies he had bought. In town, Chaney had fallen to drink and cards and lost all his money. He got it into his head he was being cheated and went back to the boarding house for his Henry rifle. When Papa tried to intervene, Chaney shot him. Chaney fled. He could have walked his horse, for not a soul in that city could be bothered to give chase. No doubt Chaney fancied himself scot-free. But he was wrong. You must pay for everything in this world one way and another. There is nothing free except the grace of God. Here, here's the problem with what the 14-year-old gal said at the end. We know that everybody doesn't pay in this life for the wrong they've done. And we seethe. We seethe against the wrongs that are done. When businesses rip people off, when people cheat in the classroom, we go ballistic when a referee makes a, call, a, a bad call and, and robs our team. That's a less serious thing. But we, we scream for justice. Now, here's the comfort in the judgment that's coming. God will execute justice on that day. He is going to right all the wrongs. And what you find in Scripture is he's a perfect blend of justice and mercy. And so on that day, it's going to all make sense to us. There's a tremendous amount of comfort in this. What this means for you and I, that God is going to execute justice is we don't have to live angry, bitter lives about the wrongs done to us. We can wait for the judgment. We don't have to live our lives sidetracked by vengeance because we can wait until that day that God is going to make Everything right. When we seethe, 
at the injustice that's going on in our world, it's very important that we do the next thing, the right thing next. We can and should leave the judging to God. We refuse to judge. This is at the heart of what it means to be a Christ follower is we, we don't judge. But the reason we don't judge is because that's God's category. That's his area. We leave that to him. And it also means that we refuse revenge, but leave justice to God in the, in the major things that are going on in the world. And specifically in our relationships, one of our knee-jerk reactions is to pay back with our words, with our actions, with our deeds. But we leave it to God. Now, Christ followers throughout history have been, they've stepped into the gap and they've sought to bring about justice in this world. And they've given their lives to it. I'm not saying that we just let the wrongs go on. God's put things in place and he wants his people to step in and fight for justice. What's right. But in the end, we don't despair if it doesn't come about because we know God's going to make it right. On that day, there's a tremendous amount of comfort in this. This this is the comfort in the coming judgment. The judgment that's coming is a warning to us as well. Second Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. The truth can serve as a moral alarm system that elevates the importance of the choices I'm making right now. (laughs) So it's a comfort, but it's also a warning. If you back up a couple of chapters in the book of Corinthians to chapter 3, you see the judgment is a comfort, it's a warning, and it's full of opportunity. This is what you find in Scripture. This is, this is because God rewards based on how we build in this life. The decisions I make in this life will echo in eternity. And the Lord graciously gives us the opportunity to build reward. This is not something He had to do. He, he made us. And it's right for someone made to do what the maker wants them to do, but we haven't. It's just right. We do it because it's right. You have that sense? I mean, I should, you should just do it. If you're a parent, you have that sense. Just do it because it's right for you to do what I say. We, we have this. We understand this. But at the same time, God graciously, he's so gracious that he gives us the opportunity to build a reward in eternity by the choices we make right here and now. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 3, 10 and 11. According to the grace God has given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. Someone else is building on it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, this, this is the foundation, Jesus Christ. This is, he is the one that we should build our lives on. As, as Christ followers, this is how we build. Uh, this is your opportunity if you're 
considering what it means to follow Christ. Uh, we need to make sure that we're building on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ. There's no other foundation that you can lay in order to build for eternity. He's it. Jesus Christ is the only one. Now, I'm going to a conference in a couple of weeks. What's going to happen when I show up at the conference is I'm going to go up to the registration table. They're going to look at the list. They're going to find my name on the list, and they're going to check it off. My name being on that list tells them that I've done everything necessary to be able to participate in the conference. This is what's going to happen on that day when the separation takes place. Scripture says that a Christ follower's name is written in the book of life, and we should rejoice in that. There's a book. (laughs) If you've decided to follow Christ... Your name is written in the book of life. And so your, your eternity is secure. This is something that we need to be sure of. The fact that your name is written there doesn't mean that you've earned your way in. It means that you've taken the steps necessary to do what allows you to participate in the joys of heaven. You've accepted Christ. As the payment for your sin, you've decided to live for him. This this is what it means. And you can know for sure that your eternity is secure. And I'd like to encourage you, if you're investigating what it means, you'd like to talk to somebody about what it means to give your life to Christ, the first next step for today, it's on the back of your listening guide, is for the first time I'll accept Christ is my Savior, and decide to follow Him as Lord. Check that. We will get some materials to you to help you know for sure. If you would like to talk with someone about what it means to to know for sure that your name is going to be written in the book of life, circle the box. Circle the box, and we'll get someone to meet with you to help you nail that down. Don't, Don't have to do that, but... We'd love to help you. Jesus is the only foundation that allows us to build for eternity. He's it. There's no other one. Moving on, the passage uh, says, Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test What sort of work each one has done? Fire purifies here in this in this scene. It will reveal what we've built our lives on. When a house burns down, the wood frame and the other flammable stuff will burn. In this passage, the fire represents God's standard. Everything doesn't that doesn't measure up to what he thinks is important gets burned away. So the, the, when we've given our resources, our time and our money and our energy to the things that are important to God, then he's, he's pleased with that. And it remains. That's the silver, gold, that's precious metal. But the other stuff is wood, hay, and stubble. In the scripture, you find out what's last. God's. God's 
God is eternal. He has no beginning and no ending. His word, the Bible, lasts forever. And people last forever. As you grow in your relationship with God, you're building what will last through the fire. Your relationship with Him's forever. If you take, take in God's Word, the Bible, and build your life on its truths and live them out, you're building a life that will last. To do this means we have to keep saying no to selfishness. And selfishness leads you to build your life on stuff that's going to get burned up. If you love people with a motive to please God, keep saying no to selfishly using them for personal gain, you're building what will last forever. And this, this is encompasses all of life. God, God has given us uh, the command that encompasses family life. As you love your family, as you love the people around you, you're building for eternity. As you do your job well, as you, as you take your responsibility and you faithfully live out what that pleases God. As you relate to the people around you, uh, then God is pleased. He rewards us. He doesn't have to. We should do this anyway. But he's gracious and he rewards. If you love people with a motive to please God and keep saying no to using them, the Lord rewards you. That's an amazing thing. This is the promise in 1 Corinthians 3, 14 and 15. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he'll suffer loss. Though he himself will be saved, but is only as through fire. If you laid the foundation by giving your life to Christ, heaven is secure for you. But it's possible to have little reward in the next life. You get into heaven with a strong barbecue smell lingering. We, we make the most of this opportunity by building our lives on the things that last forever. Our relationship with God, that's going to go on and on and on. Living His Word. Trying to handle my responsibilities in a way that He's instructed. With a heart to please Him. And serving others. God graciously gives us the opportunity to build a reward. So we should be mindful of this as we're making decisions. Sometimes we think our choices in the moment are random. They're disjointed. They're not connected. There's not a flow. But in reality, decisions always take us somewhere like a train. Uh, here's an, an overview of the London Underground. Um, that will show you everywhere the, the tube as it's called, will take you. When you go down into the station at the tube there, uh, there are directional signs like this that you see. And they tell you, like, like if you want to go south, you go to this platform. If you want to go north, you go to another platform. If you happen to get on a train going the wrong direction, you have to make a decision to to get off at the next stop and move over to the right platform and head the other direction. This is how it is in life. We, we have to keep assessing as we make decisions. 
we, we, we have the opportunity to give our time and resources to what will last and what will build reward in eternity, but we have to keep taking a pause to think about what we're doing. The more important the decision, the longer the pause. Smaller decisions, less pause. But we need to keep asking ourselves the right questions about our decisions. This means the most important factors in my decisions are what we've been talking about today. Bring it down to this. Number one, what's most important to God in the choices I'm making? This is trumps everything. As I'm making this decision, as I'm trying to decide, as I'm choosing this. What what is most important to God? And, and you may have no idea what that is right now. We get the answer to this question in several ways. One way is to begin to get into the Scripture and study topics. If you dig in, God speaks to you, and He begins to reveal His perspective to you. Even if you just take a little paragraph every day, He begins to speak to you in a very real way. You can also use tools to get into topics. Here's uh, an app called YouVersion that you can use. You can type, say you want to learn about friendship according to to God. You type friendship into the search bar or friend or any variation of the word. And all the verses related to that show up. You can download that. Uh, Here's a topical Bible. Nave's Topical Bible provides verses related to 20,000 topics and subtopics. You can also go to BibleGateway.com. I don't have a picture for that, but BibleGateway.com. Very straightforward way to search topics in Scripture. But that's one way. A second way to answer the question is to engage in church life in a couple of ways. One is attending services on Sunday mornings. We dig into topics all the time like we're doing today. And we look at what the scripture says. We try to gain perspective on uh, different areas of life. You can take notes. You can dig into those notes further. Also, getting into a group that meets during the week is crucial uh, for growing in your, your walk with God. Growing in your understanding of what's most important to him. Because in those groups, we talk about scripture. What it means. You pick things up. You, you, you learn from the other people around you. We look at Scripture to try to live it out. A third way to discover what's most important to God, if you're needing to know in the choice you're making, the decisions you're trying to make, is find someone who's been walking with God for a while and ask them. It's, this is very, very important, very helpful. Let them know your decision. Lay it all out there. Humble yourself. And ask them to help you sort it out from God's perspective. So there's some ways to find out what's most important to God. Second question to ask about our decisions is, how will this choice affect my relationship with God? Remember, choices are like a train. They're either going to take you toward God along in line with what pleases him and what he wants or away from God. If I choose to give my time to this, will it grow my relationship with God or am I getting on a track that's going to take me away from him? If you are, say no. If you're on a track that's taking you away from God, what's important to him, you have to stop 
get off that track, get off the train, and do something else. And then the bottom line in every choice that we make is which one is going to please God the most? Which choice will please God the most? Often I pray, God, I I want to do what pleases you today. Would you show me the choices that will please you the most? And God guides. He helps. I I blow it still. (laughs) But God will help us. This question helps purify my motives. Our motives are a mixed bag, but we can help God, ask God to help us sort these things out. The coming judgment day ultimately means several things that we've talked about this morning. It means, first of all, that what I do and say right now matters. The choices I'm making right now with my words, my actions, my attitudes, they're going to echo in eternity. They have an impact there. It means I can leave judging and revenge to God because he's going to settle all the scores on that day. And as we see what he does, we're going to think, it's exactly right. That was, that was perfect judgment that he used. It also means that I work for justice here and now. I step in, I stand in the gap, I do everything we can to to execute to to make justice happen here and now but I also do it knowing that he's going to settle the score on that day I can I can rest in that I can find comfort in that it also means I need to be prepared for eternity by giving my life to Christ by trusting him with my life it means also that I have the opportunity for reward as I follow Christ and live for the things that are important to him As I wrap up this morning, I'd encourage you to think through one way that you'd like to personally respond to the message this morning. Would you take a next step? Here are a couple I've suggested. First one is to accept Jesus as my Savior and commit to follow him as Lord. Maybe you've been investigating what it means to follow him and you're you're ready to give your life to do that. The second one is just left open to you. What has God said to you? What are are the decisions that you're facing that you need to filter the truth of the message this morning through? Write that decision. Write that choice down. Maybe you're heading a certain direction. You need to get off the train that's going that way and go another way. What is it that God said to you this morning? Consider that. And then take action this week. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth that we see in your word that really does free us to live life in a way that pleases you. Help us to do that, God, because that is where life really happens. As we live for what's important to you, as we live with eternity in mind. Give us the strength, the power, the wisdom to do that, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.